Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. I've been working on this message for two weeks. This will be the third. But before I get into it, I just wanted to share uh, something that Claudia Pettis felt the Lord put on her heart, and you can judge it. I feel like it's, in fact, where is she? Is she in there? I feel like it was your prophecy. <laughs> yeah, I, can I share the whole thing? Or All right, well, let me share the word first. All right, this is what the Lord gave her. The men are anxious and concerned about providing for their families, and the Lord is saying, be not afraid. He knows understands and is preparing to shower his provision upon you. How many men would say, woohoo? <laughs> Any of you? Just two of you? Two in the front row. The rest of you guys are like, oh, fine. You don't want the blessing? I'll take your, por your portion. How many are excited about that? Woohoo! Yeah, let's get excited. He is opening the windows of heaven on your behalf supernaturally providing all your needs according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. He will give heaven-sent ideas of new ways to create income that you won't believe. Be looking to him and obey physically, financially, and spiritually. Claudia. This lines right up with my message, which you'll, you'll see the connection in a little bit. But Claudia, this week... She said they had so many financial breakthroughs, their mortgage was reduced. And, and I'm quoting her, we got one big fat check. How many could stand to have a big fat check? Okay. So men and ladies, if you're a single parent, I believe, grab on to this. Hang on to it. This week, we're going to begin part three of the series, Risk Takers and Mold Breakers. Have you gotten anything out of it yet? Yeah. All right. In week one and two, we considered how God has already given us the victory, amen? And how by faith, we simply need to take hold of it. And this is our responsibility, not God's. He's already won. But we've got to grab hold of that victory in our own lives. We also saw how the church must have its roots in Christ and Christ alone. Anything else will merely be a distortion of what we're really supposed to be doing. Are you hearing that? And believe me, the devil tries his best to get our eyes off of him. He'll destroy your family if he needs to, to get your eyes off him. Don't let him. You keep your eyes fastened to Jesus. You keep your eyes right where they belong. You keep digging into this. I'm going to talk about a man that this is his book, the Bible. Hallelujah. The victory comes when we accomplish God's will, not our will. God's will. And not what is God's will for us? To reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples. That's what this church is all about. The next four weeks, I'm, I've never done this before, but we're going to do Advent. And it's a tradition within the larger church, if you will. Some think it's just 
from Catholicism, but it's not. It's Protestant churches that, that dedicate these four weeks up to Christmas, these four Sundays. First two, looking ahead. Who's coming back? Jesus. The second two, looking back, looking at the birth and, of course, the Old Testament leading up to that, the pro prophetic words that led to Jesus coming to this earth. I'm excited. So invite people. Who are they going to hear about? You should be thankful about that because there are some churches where they're not going to hear about them. But I'm telling you right now, they're going to give, give here, they're going to hear about Jesus. They're going to be given an opportunity to say yes to him. And if that's what God wants our, us to do, then we ought to be doing it every single day of the week. This week, I want to go a little deeper with you. I sense the Holy Spirit really wants to challenge us this morning. I don't know what that means yet. You'll figure that out as we go through it. And, and my prayer always, before we even get out here, is, Lord, even if I don't say it, speak to the hearts of every man and woman, boy and girl, in this building. Because it's not about me. It's all about Him. Amen? How many would admit to serve the Lord takes guts and grit? It does. Some people say, ah, Christians, they're a bunch of mamby-pambies. Really? You try exercising your faith in Christ. We'll see how well you do. I've been hearing of all kinds of positive testimonies this week, including from Claudia, including of people coming in the office and giving their hearts to the Lord. That rocks in my book. That's what the church is all about, is reaching the lost and then making them disciples. I believe today God is going to do something supernatural in you. I don't know what that is yet. I never, he never tells me until we get to the end. And then he says, this is what I want you to say, or this is how I want you to pray, or whatever it is. So would you stand with me as we begin this third week of this series? Father, we thank you again in Jesus' name for everything you're doing in the church, capital C. For everything you're doing in this local church, little c. The people of Mount Hope, Lord, we are hungry and thirsty for your righteousness. We want more of you, not less. May you become bigger and may we become smaller in the scheme of things. But may you use us, Lord. May you, as we partner together, take the gifts and talents that we have and use them to reach the lost, the dying, those that need healing, those whose marriages are a, a, a train wreck, Lord. Put us in the right places to minister to people so that they might hear about Jesus and have some hope, especially during this Christmas holiday that we're fast approaching. Lord, we love you, and I pray that everyone here would have ears to hear and eyes to see the things of God as you have prepared them today. And we give you this service, we dedicate it to you, and Lord, I pray you'd have your way here. We are the body of Christ. We need each other. We need those paws shaking every now and then. You know, what I love to see is some of you, and some of you do it better than others, and, and you know, just not, not naming names or anything, but Krista, you know, she and I are so much alike in the mornings, and, and, and we come in here, and if you look at our face, you're thinking, man, they're going to rip me out. They're going to rip me a, a new one here. And uh, That's not really us, though, is it? It's just our morning face. 
And because uh, I've seen her afternoon posts, and they're all filled with Jesus and what a glorious day working on the roads and all that stuff. And I'm like that too. You, you guys don't get to see me usually in the afternoons. I'm, I'm much more awake and alert and all that. So I'm just saying. But the rest of you, there are some in this room. You're like a dog when you get home, and you see somebody, and you just run up, and your tail's wagging, and you give them a big hug. Man, that's what brings people back. Keep doing that, and, and we'll work on us, right? We'll work on that part, but some of us aren't gifted with that hospitality uh, influence, so sorry about that, but anyway, so make up for us. <laughs> you guys keep wagging your tails, and welcoming the new people and uh, letting folks know that you're glad to see them. That is so important in the body of Christ. You know what I love about God? He lets us partner with Him. Wow. How many know there is only one thing that you're going to take to heaven? One thing. You're not going to take your wealth, your 401ks, if you have a really nice bass boat, it ain't going. So leave it to me. If you're older than me. If you're younger, it won't do me any good. You're not going to take your favorite pair of shoes. Got my light little skippies on this morning. Because I didn't know if I was going to be dancing around up here or what today. But I felt like I was supposed to put them on. There's only one thing that's going to go. Besides you, and that's the people that you've reached for Jesus. That's why it's so important that we get this in our heart. In the Bible, they're called treasures or crowns. Look it up. It's amazing that God calls people, their souls, his treasures. I love that. And we're given crowns. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20 says. After all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will our proud reward and crown, excuse me, what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It's you. Hallelujah. Paul saying this to the church. You are his crown. That's what he's going to boast about when he gets to heaven. He's going to boast about Jesus. And he's going to boast about how you came to Jesus through him. Not you, but you'd be a little old right now verse 20 yes you are our pride and joy and i just want you to understand that when you bring somebody to the lord you're going to be rewarded for that you might just plant a little seed you may not be the one that actually hears them say yes to jesus but you may be someone that planted a seed in their life they watched you they saw your tail wagon when they came into this church and it brought them back enough time so they kept hearing the message. And eventually the message, the gospel, got into their heart. And then they finally agreed and said, yes, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. Matthew 6, 20, and I don't believe this is taking this out of context, mainly because I believe that Jesus is the one that tells about this and we're known as treasures in the Bible. Listen to this. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. What are we taking to heaven? People. 
souls. Store your treasures in heaven. We're going to talk about that today. Many of you, when you get to heaven, are going to be greeted by a multitude of saints who've gone on before you or are going to be taken up in the rapture with you at the same time. They're going to say this, thank you for taking time to introduce me to Jesus. Because of you, my future is sealed and I am going to receive everlasting life with you and with Jesus. Hallelujah. That's good news. Some of you are going to have people come to you who say, thank you for helping lead me to Jesus, my Savior, because of your gift in that offering plate. How many know that that makes a difference? Because of your gift in that offering plate, your pastor or your missionary, that person that you sent to preach the good news all across the globe, got hold of my heart, and now I'm going to be in heaven with you forever. You're going to hear that if you've been generous for the Lord. And then there will be others, and I know we're going to see people in heaven who are going to have these crowns that are going to be so big, Pastor Roger and I are going to have to help carry them for them. And who are they? They're the people that are praying. Because your prayers, your prayers, tenderized my heart enough so I'd finally receive from Jesus. God uses us to do that. And because of that, I'm now in heaven where I'll be spending eternity with you and with God forever. God lets us partner with Him. Hallelujah. They're going to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, I put that little part at the top. Partnering with God always pays dividends. You can't outgive the Lord. You cannot outgive the Lord. What a beautiful thing to partner with Jesus. As excited as I am about what's happened thus far, I sense that we need to double our efforts as we race toward the finish line of heaven. Can you agree with me that we're close? There should be an urgency in the Spirit. I'm sensing it. Many of our intercessors are sensing it. Many of our leaders are sensing it. I hope you're sensing that urgency of the hour. There are still many out there that need to hear about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That if they were to die today, or if Jesus were to come back today, they'd still be here. Or they would not go to heaven, but rather the place that Jesus prepared for the fallen angels. Which is never his intention for anybody to go to hell. We choose by not choosing him. Hallelujah. God wants to use us to reach them. He uses our mouth to preach the truth. I don't care where you're at, you need to be speaking about Jesus. You know what? If it's just wearing a little pin that says, Jesus, whatever it takes, but let people know who you stand for. He uses our prayers of faith to break through the hardest of hearts. I've already talked about that. Again, two weeks ago we had 13 people here on Wednesday. Last week we had four. Whatever. We need people praying. Tuesday night at 6.30. Right here. Prophetic etiquette and prayer. Come on out. Pray with these people. I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit's going to move in your life. 
If you're facing something and you need help, you need prayer, that's a perfect place to go to receive that prayer. But we all need to be joining together in prayer. Making this this environment here and out there conducive to people saying yes to Jesus. I can't do it all. If you're expecting the pastor of the church to reach everybody, you're not reading your Bibles. I'm just one of many. I hope Jesus uses me. I trust that He is. But He wants to use every single person in this room. Every single person. Finally, He uses our generosity to keep the church operating, to help make those disciples. The heat's not on in here by chance. You're warm and you're in a comfortable chair because people believe in what God's doing and they're generous toward the church. The board over here, the missionaries, we're sending them out. They're all across the globe. Why? Because we believe that the gospel has to be preached and we put our money where our mouth is and we put it in that offering plate. And as I've already said, God's going to bless those who are doing these things. It takes great faith, say this with me, it takes great faith to be a child of God. Say it one more time. It takes great faith to be a child of God. All right. One of my favorite heroes of the faith was Smith Wigglesworth. I love just saying his name. Reminds me of when I'm fishing, Wigglesworth, because they're always wiggling, Wigglesworth. And if you've bought any worms, they're worth a lot. Wigglesworth. Smith was not your normal Christian servant. He was not. He began his career like some of us. Just a normal guy. He took up the trade of plumber. Got any trades in here? Anybody? Good. God can do amazing things for you. He may not call you to do what Smith did, but he'll do amazing things while you're fixing somebody's plumbing or their electric or whatever. Smith, once he was saved, could not put this down. This leather-bound NLT study Bible. No. This Bible, though. He could not put his Bible down. I'm certain it was a King James because that was all that was available back then. He had to read it. He would starve to death without it. The man was known for his abrupt faith and his coarse personality. (laughs) That kind of reminds me of somebody I know. (laughs) Not Pastor Barton. I was talking about me. Didn't want to infer. One would feel as though he or she was rubbing against 80 grit sandpaper if you hung out with him for any length of time. In fact, one young aspiring Christian wanted to hang out with Smith for a while. So he went to his house. He was invited, but he went to his house. And when he got there, he had the newspaper under his arm. Smith saw that, and he goes, what's, in, un, what's under your arm? Well, it's the newspaper. He said, throw that out in the front yard. I don't let those lies into my house. 
Hear me. We need to do the same thing. We get caught up in this garbage that we see, whether it's on Facebook or on CNN or NBC or whatever it is. We need to stop listening to these lies because that's what they all are. And you know it, right? Smith would not let them in. What did he read? The Bible. This young man came into his house and he immediately read to him for 30 minutes from the Bible. Imagine if somebody came to your house and you said, now sit down, I want to talk. And you pulled your Bible out. Bill, can you imagine that? Your neighbors, would they keep coming? I don't know, they might. That's how brazen this man was. Hallelujah. His faith, the level of faith that he had, few others had. And this also led to a lot of stories about him, both good and bad. I'm going to share a couple. On another occasion, I love this. A pastor took Wigglesworth to an upscale restaurant. You with me? You ever been to one of those? Pheasant under glass, roast duck. You know, stuff that yours in my pocketbook probably couldn't afford. That's where this preacher took this guy because he thought, hey, this is Smith Wigglesworth. I got I to gotta take him to the best place we have. So they're, they're sitting at this eatery and, and Wigglesworth said, ladies and gentlemen, I have noticed since arriving here that none of you prayed over your food. You resemble a bunch of hogs to me. You just jump in and eat without giving thanks to the one who provided it for you. Now bow your heads and I'll pray for you. This is where you need to read that top part. Don't try this at home. At a healing service where Wigglesworth was speaking, a man with cancer was brought in, still on his hospital bed, and, and in the gown that they give you. I only point that out because he did, okay? Uh, anyway. Smith asked the doctor, what's up? He really did. That was the brogue, the way that they talked. What's up? And the doctor said, cancer. Where, Smith asked. In the, man, in the man's stomach, the doctor replied. With the man's doctor still watching, Smith balled up his fist and punched the man right in the stomach as hard as he could. The man appeared to die as his arms fell limp over the sides of his bed. The doctor gasped and said, he's dead! He killed him! Wigglesworth said, he's healed. That's how he talked. He's healed. Ten minutes later, the supposed dead man with, who had cancer stood up off his sick bed running around with his flap open. I'm healed! I'm healed! And his doctor was right behind him. He's healed! He's healed! Man, you can't preach this stuff. You know? Hallelujah. Later, the man caught up with the evangelist and he told him he felt no pain. He'd felt pain for years and he felt no pain. 
and he hadn't had energy for ages. Smith just looked at the man and said, now give God the glory for it. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. The miracles aren't for you and me. It's for the world to see. Look what I can do. The impossible. Because he's the God of impossible things, isn't he? Praise the name of Jesus. God is looking for risk takers and mold breakers. In, for, in John 14, verse 12 and following, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Let's not skip over that part. What did Jesus do? What didn't he do? <laughs> Probably be an easier, easier question to answer. Yet, Jesus said that the church would do even greater things than he did. Greater works. Because I, he said, am going to be with the Father. You know, he's right up there right now. He is mediating on yours and my behalf. He is making intercession. Just like I said, the prayers of the saints make a difference. Believe me, when Jesus prays, God hears him. He is God. He hears himself. But he prays for us. He speaks it into existence. That that is not, he sees it as, sees it as though it was, and it takes place when we grab hold of it. Hallelujah. That's good news. He said, you can ask for anything in my name, verse 13, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. That's what it's all about, that God gets the glory. Yes, Jesus said, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Risk takers, mold breakers. Smith, on another occasion, with a full auditorium, a woman brought her dead baby to that healing service where Wigglesworth was preaching. Unorthodox, mold-breaking Smith took this woman's dead baby, this lifeless body, and he drop-kicked it into the crowd. You could hear the air get sucked out of the room. <gasps> they couldn't believe it. And that little baby landed. And Smith just kept going on, praying for people. Pretty soon you heard the woman, he's alive! My baby's alive! Never try this at home. <laughs> Except at the bottom part, I added, unless God tells you to. Now hear me, you had better not be drop-kicking a dead baby into the crowd unless you heard from the Lord. Because you will end up in jail or in the psychiatric ward at the hospital if you do. But if you've truly heard from the Lord, that's why I keep saying, you've got to be a risk taker. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to be a mold breaker because the church today says, ah, God doesn't do that anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might be thinking I could never do what Wigglesworth did. And I, <laughs> honestly, I know a few people that could or even should do what Wigglesworth ever did. But God wants to use your faith 
to help others get the victory, and sometimes it takes guts to live for God and to give Him the glory. As I was praying, as I've been praying for this, this whole message, I felt like this word was given to me from the Holy Spirit. Again, you apply it. You, you, de- you determine whether or not this is for you. I need you to begin taking more risks, the Holy Spirit said to me. I need my people to break the mold of how church is done and begin doing church as I want it to be done. I am calling you out, my people, to do things few others have done. It will seem risky at first, but it will be rewarding if you do what I'm asking you to do. And in the end, I will get the glory for the miracles that I am going to perform through you. End of it. That's what I feel the Lord is saying to us today. We've got to grab hold of this thing. And if, if you'd say to me, I just don't have the faith, then you get on your face and you get on your knees until you get it. Because God wants to use you to reach that person that's standing right next to you at the job. He wants to reach the student that's across the aisle from you in your classroom. You have got to be anointed and you've got to be prayed up, though, in order for God to do these kind of miracles in and through you. We need to break the mold of doing church We need to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what He's challenging us to do. As risk-takers for Jesus, it requires that we put ourselves out there. Would you say that with me? I need to put myself out there. Would you say that with me? I need to put myself out there. If you're really serving the Lord and if you're a faith-filled believer, you need to start putting yourself out there. Very little happens that's just in a normal atmosphere, but man, if it's supercharged and God's asking you to do the impossible, that's when it shows up. That's when He shows up. That's when the miracle shows up and God gets the glory. You see, if you can do it yourself, you get the glory. Now I'm going to start preaching. As mold breakers, it means that we will be going against the grain of modern society. And as we take hold of the victory, there are going to be, there will be false accusations and lies that are going to come out against you because the devil hates your guts. My devotion this morning was from Job 1, I believe it's verse 7, and it talks about how Satan is going to and fro the earth. God asked him, what have you been doing? Oh, just going to and fro the earth, looking, looking for people. To what? Destroy. And if, if, you're, if you're like Smith Wigglesworth or even close, if you're a person praying, if you're somebody that's generous, if you're praying for the sick and they're getting healed, if you're preaching about Jesus to people, He hates your guts. And He wants to stop you in your tracks. He will not stop. He will not stop. He will not stop. Even though we win, he's going to... There was something that just happened in the election. It's similar. One guy won, but they're not stopping. The same is true with the devil. Even though you win, he's not going to stop. He wants you to think you've lost. Don't give him. Don't give him any room. Don't give him an inch. Because he'll take a foot. 
He'll take your foot and then the other. He'll knock you right out if he can. Hallelujah. The devil does not want the power of Jesus Christ released in the people of Mount Hope Church. And I specifically bring it down to this because you're the ones I'm preaching to today. I'm talking about the church, but he doesn't want this power of Jesus released in the people of Mount Hope Church. He trembles at the thought. And as I've already said, he'll do most anything to stop you, to prevent you from giving God glory. But if we don't give up, and if we don't give in, we will be victorious over our enemies, and we will see people set free from sin and from death, and they will join us in heaven. And as an anthem, we will lift up the name of Jesus in praise, and in all, as all of the angels join us in the glorious heavens that we're all destined to be in. But as much as our spirit man might be saying, Yahoo! How many get excited about that, right? Yahoo! I want that. I want that. Our flesh is saying, are you crazy? I can't even say grace over my meal in the restaurant. If you want to add gems to your crown, you need to become a risk taker for Jesus. You need to break the mold of how you've been walking out your faith and take hold of the victory over your, in your life that Jesus Christ has already paid for. He's already purchased it. You need to become a risk taker, and that means you must put yourself out there. It's not easy. But when we do it, God shows up in big ways. I want to share a personal example of mine, and what I'm going to preface all this with, this, this short story, is this. I'm not boasting about me. As Paul so eloquently said, I'm boasting about what Jesus did. So don't sit here and go, oh man, he's bragging about himself. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Pastor Barb and I were at a pastor's conference a week ago, a week before Thanksgiving. Toward the end of the day, one of the leaders looked out at all the pastors. There were 600 of us in the room, pastors, missionaries, leaders. And he said, all you missionaries stand. Well, I expected a lot more to stand, but there were probably, I don't know, maybe 30 that stood up out of 600. There were a few around me. And then he goes, now here's what I want you to do, pastors, looking right at us, pastors, I want you to give them a Pentecostal handshake. How many know what that is? All right, just to explain it, that's when you take something out of your wallet, usually green, you put it in your hand, ni nicely folded, not crumpled. You don't have to iron it, but just, you know, kind of invisible. And you go up to that person and you say, God bless you. And they feel that piece of paper and they say, oh, he's giving me a note. No. It's money. So, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh. I had a $20 bill in my wallet, piece of cake. And then I had an emergency $100 bill stashed, you know, how some people do, in that little side pocket. Just in case, money. Right? In the flesh I'm going, I'm giving a 20. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Jesus, 
I know you want me to do the hundred. And I hear that voice. You know you can't outgive me. And I'm sitting there, and we didn't have it. I'm just being honest. We didn't have it to give. All right, Lord. I pull it out. And here, here's the test. I look at my wife. Which missionary should, should we give this to? And there were three of them right in our proximity. And I'd already looked at this one. I'd looked at this one. Well, this one left. This one that was over here behind her, she didn't even see him. She didn't see him, but the couple I felt like we were supposed to give it to was behind us. And she goes, that couple behind us. We didn't even know who they were. In fact, I can't tell you where they even minister. I didn't know. So I walk over. I love doing it. Hey, brother. God bless you. And he, of course, it's amazing how fast missionaries grab that. So you don't change your mind or whatever. I, I'm not sure, but big smile. And, and the two of us, we walked out of there, and I, I haven't seen them since. I don't know. I don't even, I still don't know who they were. I don't care who they were. God asked me to be obedient. God asked me to take a risk. That's a lot of money for us. It's probably a lot of money for most of you. But I did it. We did it. Proverbs 11, 23 through 25. The godly can look forward to a reward, while the wicked can what? Expect only judgment. Give freely and become more wealthy. I love this. This is the NLT. Give freely, become more wealthy, be stingy, and lose everything. You pick which one you want to be. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And I'm just sitting there. I wasn't thinking of this when I did this. I just wanted to be obedient. And I knew that missionary couple had a need. And God used me to bless them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Fast forward to the following Monday night. I'm lying in my bed in, in the Pahola Motel thinking about the meeting that's the next morning, and I'm, I'm really not anywhere. I'm just kind of, ah, when my phone rings. I look down, and, and I realize that it's set underneath Rochester, New York, and I'm going, oh, my friend lives there. And we hadn't talked in years. We went to Bible college together. So I answer the phone thinking it's Lou, and I hear this voice go, is this Norm Oberlin? And I'm like, uh, yeah. I, th I think he's still messing with me, right? You have friends like that? And he goes, uh, Mr. Oberlin, do you remember entering a sweepstakes with Steel, the chainsaw company? I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, you won. I said, I said, what? I won. He goes, do you know what you won? And I said, well, I was hoping for a chainsaw. I need a chainsaw. And the guy, he chuckled and he goes, uh, it's better than that. He said, you won a John Deere 4x4 Gator. Now, here's the thing. If you look online, because I did, I went back and looked, and it said right in the, the prize thing, prize valued at or about $10,000. Now I know I got to pay tax on that. 
it'll bring it down a little bit, but here's my whole point of saying this. I was reminded after I hung up with this guy of that $100 bill that I gave because God told me to give. I tried to be obedient with the little bit that we had. And the, four days later, I get a call like that. And, and he said, you were randomly selected. Whatever. I serve a big God. $10,000. All I wanted was a chainsaw. <laughs> you know, I hope you know this. This never happens to me. This was a God moment in my life. That's why I wanted to share it, because, in fact, I, I, I called the, the guy that actually told us to do it. He's our assistant superintendent, Brad uh, Trask. And, and I called him, and I said, Brother, i got to share this testimony with you. And he goes, hey, can I share this? And I'm thinking he's going to tell his church. And five minutes later, I notice it's, it's on the pastor's Facebook page, so he shared it with the whole state. I said, whatever, if it'll minister to somebody, go ahead. Well, now everybody knows Pastor Norm won a gator. By the way, if you'd like to buy one, let me know. I'll make you a great deal. Matthew 19, 29. Everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Being a risk taker takes guts. And as I've just shared with my personal illustration, you often have to battle the flesh before you can get there. All right? I just wanted to throw out, and I'm almost finished, just a few things here. Risk takers will battle with the following. First, and you can put that slide up, fear of humiliation. I remember the first time I preached, I was scared to death. I'm telling you. <laughs> My knees were shaking, right? You're sitting there, your peers are listening, and, and I knew these guys for years, and all of a sudden I'm in front of them, and they're waiting for me to feed them some kind of man. And I'm, I blew it, I admit it. My message stunk. I hope I'm getting better, but anyway, <laughs> that, that, was, that was one of the biggest humiliation factors I've ever experienced, and I hope that never happens again. The next, fear of failure. This is a big one for the church. We're so afraid to put ourselves out there, to go to somebody we know that needs a healing, and yet God says, you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. But do we believe that? Are we a risk taker enough to do what he commands us to do and when that person, like the guy with cancer, and I'm not telling you to punch anybody, so don't walk out of here thinking that's what I'm saying. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And then give God the glory. Hallelujah. Fear of succeeding. Listen to this part. We often think, why would I be afraid to succeed? Because when you succeed, there's more responsibility given. 
And sometimes you don't want anymore. You want, hey, I want want this church to be small for the rest of my life. I like small churches. I I don't want too much responsibility now, brother. We'll just keep it right here. I'm comfortable, right? Or (laughs) when you succeed, and, and I immediately thought of Andy, sorry, Andy, in a good way, though. You've done such a great job with your uh, announcements each week. And I think, man, I wonder if he's thinking, next week i got to do even bigger and better. Like that goofy one where you did the sled thing. How do, you, how do you do better than that? You get what I'm saying here? These are things that our flesh fights because we actually think about this kind of stuff. Why be a risk taker? First, personal achievement. You feel good about yourself. Oh man, I'm telling you what, you lead somebody to Christ, you are going to be pumped. We've had somebody, how many recently have led somebody to the Lord? I know there's several in here, but cool. Yes, it's awesome. It really is. One of the most rewarding things you'll experience when you help someone to grow in their faith. Number two, acclamation from others. For whatever reason, when you're a success, people tend to, you know, they want to hang around you. They want to give you the, the attaboys kind of thing. And eh, it feels kind of good. How many like hanging out with successful people versus people that aren't so successful? Just saying. Number three, rewards. As I've already shared, you cannot outgive the Lord. We try, but we have never succeeded. Whether you are rewarded on earth or in heaven or both, God will find ways to bless you. Last one. I saved this for last, not because it's the least. Actually, this is the most important one. It is so that we can please the one who made us. This should be number one. But I wanted to end with this. We're here to please Him. He's given us everything. You can stand up if you'd like to. He's given us His all. And then he says, now, you accept this free gift? Now you can partner with me, and I'll bless you even more. Who does that? It's like winning the lottery every day. If I can use that as an example. I already did, sorry. The only reason that we should be risk takers, we don't need the rest of them, but the only reason is because we know it pleases Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. God wants you to get your eyes off your own problems and issues long enough to see what others are going through. Then you can see how God sees those people. And He's done this with me so much lately, I don't even want to talk about it. I get frustrated because I I realize how hard my heart has become from years of ministry and then God softens me and he says look at that one Jim Cimbala shared this and I'm only sharing it in in a sense of I won't go through the whole thing but he just gotten done preaching three services he was exhausted he's sitting on the edge of the platform and he sees this guy out in the front and he's oh he must be a homeless guy Pretty soon, the 
guy starts walking toward him, and he's like, all right, I got a five and a 20 in my wallet. Sound familiar? <laughs> Which one do I give him, the five or the 20? And he didn't actually say what he pulled out, but he got it ready, and the guy got right in front of him, and he, he goes to hand him the money. Here, brother. The guy goes, I don't want your money. I want that Jesus you're talking about. The guy smelled so bad. Pastor Simbla said, he, he, was, he was going, so where are you from, brother? He had to inhale from over here, because... And then God said something to him that just crushed me in my spirit. I shared a little bit of this a week ago, but he said, Jim, how that guy smells is how all of you smell in your sin. I don't turn my head. And you know what? Jim looked at the guy, and he gave him a hug, and he, oh, he smelled good. No longer... Did he smell the stink? He saw that man as God saw him, one of his own. And I'm happy to tell you that guy got saved right there that day. And I'm happy to tell you he was discipled. He became a minister. And today he's practicing in a church on the East Coast, married with children. Risk takers, mold breakers. We got to stop doing church like we've done it and start trusting God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When you help others, you please your Heavenly Father, and He will look for ways to pour Himself and His blessings into your life. Can I get a good amen? As I close, the missionary that we had here a while back from the Philippines, Dr. Dave, he said this, and I quote, God might be calling you to go places you've never been or do things you've never done. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is saying today. He's saying, my son, my daughter, will you let me use you? Will you trust me enough to put yourself out there? Will, re will you remember it's not about you? It's about me. Everything you do is about me. Would you bow your heads? If you're here today and you're hearing his voice right now, and he's asking you, will you do this for me? Will you yield to me? Will you become a risk taker? Will you stop doing church like you've been doing it? Like the world thinks it needs to be done. And will you let me move in your life in the miraculous? If that's you, would you just lift your hand up so I can see it? Hands going up all over. Hallelujah. God is so faithful. And when he challenges us to do things like this, here's the, the fun part. You're going to face something this week. A moment, a person situation where you're going to get tested I want to pray for you because I've been there so many times I need God 
I need God to be obedient. Because I'll tell you, as many times I gave that hundred, there were times I didn't. Because I wanted to cling to that money. It's my money. No, it's his. <laughs> God wants to use you in miraculous ways. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for every hand that went up today. As we enter the season of Advent, Lord, I pray that you would use us. We know you're coming. Your arrival is soon. That's what Advent means. The arrival of someone important. And Lord, we know that it's talking about you. Jesus, it's talking about you. And today, Lord, we want you to take hold of us, to shape us and mold us, Lord, into those vessels that you can use. If there's sin in our lives, Lord, forgive us of those sins. Wash us clean in the blood, Lord. Prepare us so that you can take us as an instrument in your hands and bring glory and praise to your name. For that one that needs a word, a hug, a little note written. God, that we would be faithful, risk takers and mold breakers. For that one that needs hands laid on them, Lord, to deliver them from cigarettes or alcohol or a broken marriage, whatever it is, God, use us in the name of Jesus. And I pray for that power and that anointing right now to come down on this room. That not one person out there, Lord, that needs you would be missed by us. If you put them in our path, God, that we would be attentive to what you're saying. That small, still voice saying, that's the one, that's the one, that one, that one right there. God, may we not miss it. And may you give us the boldness, Lord, the courage to do whatever it is you ask us to do in Jesus' name. It might not be to punch somebody in the stomach. In fact, I hope for myself it's not. (laughs) But it might be to take a little bit of oil and anoint their head and pray in Jesus' name, be healed. Hallelujah. I thank you for every person that lifted their hand today that wants to honor you with their lives. God, raise this church up as only you can. And I pray that every single success that comes about through our hands, through our lives, through our ministries, that you would be given the glory and the praise and the honor that we would become smaller and you would become greater. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. God loves the lost. I hope you realize that today. God loves the lost. And I know my shoe's untied. It's been bugging me for the last 20 minutes. Oh, I thought it was. It was just flipping around. I didn't even look down. I didn't want to take attention off of what Jesus was saying. See, the devil did that. Don't blame him for everything. If you're here today and you need Jesus, you come and talk to me. I'd be happy to pray with you. Other than that, get out there and bring some folk in. Invite them. I think we've got a pretty good church here. The Holy Spirit is here. The truth is preached. Jesus is on the throne. 
And we're coming to that day when people aren't going to be able to say yes anymore. Today is a day of salvation. So you invite those people, risk takers, mold breakers. Father, keep everybody safe in their coming and in their going. We thank you for the power that comes only from Jesus. May we preach the truth, Lord. May our conversations dwell upon you. May you use us. Keep us safe. Bless our snackies that the Comfers made today. Oh, I saw some delicious-looking cookies over there. God bless you. Have a great week. Love y'all. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.